0: Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of the slightly less traveled aquarium ideas out there, the Blackwater, Botanical, and otherwise unusual biotope type aquariums that we love to play with, or just to start, just a jumping off point. Um, today, I want to talk about a fish topic, actually, about some fishes that I think need a little more attention. We brought up the subject a few times over the years, um, and... You know, it, each time it's provoked a little conversation, but um I haven't really seen a ton of movement on it, and I call this the great killifish conundrum. Now, there's certain fishes in the aquarium world that'll simply grab a hold of your attention and just not let go. For me, it's always been kerosens, you know, tetras, and killifish, yeah, killifish. And they're sort of the seemingly forgotten, yet utterly engrossing group of fish. They have amazing colors, they have respawning habits, and their adaptability, and you'd think it would make them some of the most popular fishes in the hobby but they are most definitely not. Now, to me, the reasons, uh, those, you know, those reasons above that I just cited and many others have kept them top of mind for me over the years, even though I may not have always kept them consistently. You know, the relative difficulty to obtain them is sort of added to the mystique, at least it has for me. That and the fact they typically not have common names, you know, and they're generally referred to by their Latin name, followed by perhaps a geographic locale and some other numbers that... Uh, Describe their type locality. That makes them all the more alluring to me. Hmm, geographic locales never scared anyone, did they? Yeah, I digress. But those arcane certain you know, names certainly don't help in our splashy, superficial insta world of social media that we've created in the 21st century. I admit that's a little challenging. I mean. Shit, there's like a 0000.34% chance that a fish with a name like Australibius aracan U I R T 215 is going to ever, ever knock off the neon tetra or the cardinal tetra or the angelfish and crack the hot 1000 list of the most popular aquarium fishes, right? Yet, these precise Latin descriptors and type localities belie a kind of an interesting secret to those who do the work. They give us information of just incalculable value about the scientific or uh, shall we say the specific biotope or habitat from which these fishes come from and to those of us who strive to duplicate on some levels the wild habitats from where our fishes come from this stuff is just like pure gold isn't it and of course one of the things I like best about killer fishes is that many come from habitats that would be perfect for us to replicate with our skills and interests Now, hobbyists who keep killies may not be as into the aesthetics of blackwater or botanical-style aquariums as we are, but nonetheless, they understand the dynamics of using natural botanical materials like peat moss, core, and leaves to stimulate spawning and provide health benefits for their fishes. Perhaps what also attracts me to them is that they are, for the most part, small, super colorful fishes that have managed to adapt and evolve to life in very unusual environmental niches, like puddles small creeks, temporary pools, stuff like that. And of course, there are those extremely, you know, botanical-influenced environments. And these habitats that are replete with leaves and soil and mud and branches fascinate me. And killies are intimately linked to the characteristics of their habitats and the seasonal fluctuations and changes that impact them. It's really fascinating to me. Interestingly... We've seldom, if ever, seen them being kept in anything other than dedicated breeding setups with spawning mops and bare bottoms. I mean, sure, there's a now and then someone throws one in a community tank. I think that sort of perpetuated the popular perception that they require the dreaded specialty conditions, which is, of course, hobby vernacular for weird shit that's hard to do, right? And the need for, you know, 200 tank setups that'll turn you into the aquarium version of the crazy cat lady, and pretty much smashing your interpersonal relationships along with it. And of course, this pretty much scares the crap out of your typical armchair hobbyist. That's where we come in. I think that attempting to replicate, at least to some extent, the aquatic habitats from where these fishes come from would go a long way towards making them, you know, much more popular in the hobby. So instead of the 300-odd plastic shoeboxes filled with Achilles, you might have maybe six or seven different biotope-inspired aquariums for Achilles. I say that now, of course. Now how you manage your personal relationships is your call, but I think we make it a bit easier with our approach, right? <laughs> so sure, some of these fishes might be skittish, they might be aggressive, come from soft, acetic water, or brackish, or whatever. But the last time I checked, we have this global community of all sorts of skilled, adventurous hobbyists who play with all these weird specialties, right? And we're into some pretty geeky stuff ourselves. We can keep these fishes with ease. Now, we often hear the argument that they're not particularly prolific breeders, or they don't live too long, you know, in case of the annual species, sure. But I ask you, how many years have you kept a cardinal tetra alive for? I think that's a really lame excuse not to keep Kelly fish, I really don't. My other counterpunch here is that we're seeing more and more of these wild beta species showing up in stores, even fish stores, like all around the world. I mean, really freaking obscure ones. So someone's breeding them, and they are finding a place in the botanical-style blackwater aquariums that we play with too. So, yeah, I don't see why Achilles can't. I think if we look at some of the more popular killifishes, which is funny because popular is a relative term, but like the Afiosemia and the chroma and fungal species, there's a variety of ecological adaptations to their environments that, you know, have made them really compelling subjects for those of us who are interested in these types of setups. Now, granted, this is different than what, you know, hardcore killie breeders do and probably not as efficient as setting them up in those bare plastic tanks or sweater boxes with spawning mops, but it's a different way to enjoy these really unique fishes and it celebrates those unique ecological niches from where they come from. I simply don't think that we of Kiwi fans have done a really great job of demystifying these fishes and their needs. As I mentioned above, I think we seldom, if ever, see them kept in anything other than these utilitarian dedicated breeding setups with just a spawning mop and a bare bottom. And I think lots of people, as a result, assume that this is the way. It's not to kind of kick that unfair reputation that Achilles have earned to the curb once and for all. Now look, there's literally hundreds of species to choose from, running the gamut from top spawning species which deposit their eggs in you know, floating plants to those South American and African annuals which put their eggs in mud or sediments at the bottom of temporary pools. So it'd be impossible to generalize a biotype-inspired generic setup for all these types. However, one could create a more or less generalized setup for, say, species that come from African streams or ponds. You just research this stuff. So for many of these small aphiocemian and the like, you can replicate their leaf and branch choke, you know, habitats with, well, leaves and branches, seed pods, stuff we're familiar with. We do that shit pretty well, don't we? Yeah. So researching the flora and the aquatic topography of areas of like Cameroon and Nigeria can yield you tons of information that you can use to create some really cool tanks. In general, I think Africa has been sort of underrepresented in our aquariums anyway. And killifish represent an amazing opportunity to learn more about these habitats and the really truly unique fishes that live in them. Now many of these streams and pools feature muddy or fine sediment materials in the substrate. You could replicate this with many of the planted aquarium, you know, substrates mixed in with more common materials like sand and even our stuff like Fundy Tropical and Substratofino, those additives that we make, or perhaps the more Agapo-specific substrates we'll be releasing soon. Different materials. So, with some good research and study, it's entirely possible to create a remarkably realistic and functionally aesthetic aquarium for a lot of different species of killifish and the concept is simply no different than anything else we do for any of the other fishes in our blackwater and botanical style aquariums it's just not we just need to get the fishes and you can easily from breeders in places like Aquabid, or go all the way and join the american killifish association really get to know some of these geeky people that are really into this fish they're talented they're helpful and willing often to lend a hand answer your questions sell you some fish or eggs to get you started on your way now, obviously, a little blog like this can only do so much to call some quick attention to, you know, the possibilities that are out there and maybe for this type of approach. So my hope is that more of you will utilize the skills you acquired, both keeping and breeding fishes and working with botanical style aquariums, put those together. The possibilities are endless. We just need to get out there, do a little research, get a tank or two going, and oh, we need to share this work on the big stage, the more generalized hobby world, outside of the dedicated you know, hardcore killie forums and pages like that. Now thinking about this, killies can be getting their entirely fair share of exposure to the larger hobby world. It's not impossible. Killie lovers simply need to let go of that 1978 era excuse mentality that we have and complaining about why they aren't out there and simply share these fishes in more unique relatable ways. We can't keep self-medicating on excuses and complain about it when the opportunity is there to blow them up and get interest out there in these fishes. You know, there's these platforms called Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Crazy-ass ways that you can shed or spread, excuse me. You can shed ideas, too, but you can spread ideas easily. We should look these up once in a while. Uh, Post something on a general hobby interest forum. so pics, descriptions, maybe a shot of the cool display or even the natural habitat. We should. It just hasn't been happening. Not enough, anyway. I want to accept that excuse that, oh, I tried this before and no one was interested. No, I don't think you did it in an effective way that conveys all those interesting features to a wider audience. And as a result, I think those fishes are still relegated to the more specialized corner of the hobby. Kind of sounds like what people were saying about blackwater aquariums not too long ago, doesn't it? And we know how that's working out. We can so do this. Just seeing an aquarium set up to replicate, I don't know, like a small vernal pond or in West Africa, housing fishes from like the Epiplaides, you know, genus, or maybe Zaphyosemian, something small, colorful, and interesting would just blow away everybody in the hobby that's been on the fence about trying these fishes for years, and if you can actually get some into people's hands. And, you know, really researching a proper biotope or habitat, And creating a biotope-inspired tank can teach the hobby and the non-hobby world alike about these fishes and the unique challenges that their fragile habitats face. And their unique reproductive strategies, of course, especially in the case of the annual species. They're amazing in and of themselves. And you know, the fact that you can purchase most of them as eggs in water or pea moss, and, you know, get them shipped all over the world is super easy. It's one of the worst-kept secrets in the hobby. And these fishes are out there. Hello! American Killer Fist Association, Aquabid, etc. You know, I'm sorry if I'm coming out a bit harsh and repetitive on this topic, but I think it's important that we can get these fish into a bigger, you know, bigger arena. And I see how some people might take this little kick in the ass, you know, in the wrong way. Like, I think this talk love thing is important. I'm a big fan. I think it's warranted. I just get tired of hearing the same old excuses for stuff with no new actions being taken, especially when the excuses are made by incredibly talented people who can bring so much to the table. Enough already, 1978 is like 40 years in the past. Time to work on the future, who's in on this? We all should be. Tilly are some of the best examples of sustainability, responsibility, and dedication that the aquarium world has to offer. They teach patience, they inspire research, and they're an amazing group of fishes to specialize in. Let's show them the love they deserve. Stay excited about this stuff. Stay resourceful and find them. Stay diligent in studying them stay inspired by their natural environments, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Melman. May your tanks be tinted and your water stable. Have a great day. Thanks.